Hello, I'm Erica LaCasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today we'll be talking about when the tables have turned. Stick around for some hope healing and maybe even some laughs. Welcome once again to another Messy Messianic Mama podcast. This tour portion for the week is Nasso, which means to lift, to carry, or to take. You can find it in Numbers chapter 4, verses 21, to chapter 7, verse 89. The half tour portion is Judges chapter 13, verse 2 to 25. And the Brit Hadashah is John chapter 12, verses 20 to 36. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, my husband and I have not gotten into the half tour or the Brit Hadashah yet. We were able to get through um, reading and, and discussing numbers. And honestly, it's it's really kind of a fascinating read. I had a lot of different questions. My husband and I talked about it. I'm going to not lie, though, and tell you that chapter 7 was the worst for me. As you know, on this podcast, I really don't pull punches. I, I'm pretty open and honest, as, as open and honest as I possibly can be. And uh, chapter 7 was hard. It was literally in great detail, which I thought was amusing simply because my husband doesn't really like details when it comes to stories, when it's clear that Adonai really enjoys them. And I think that it's important that we know these details. So I would actually encourage you to do a study. If you could do a study on this tour portion, just on chapter seven, find three reasons why there are so many details, because that's at least how many questions I came up with trying to understand why is there so much detail in just this one, one little portion um, but it actually is important. Each each portion is, even though we may not see it in the grand scheme of things or in our daily lives. But you know what? The reality is that's not necessarily how we're supposed to be reading the Bible in the first place. Um, we should be reading it in context and understanding what was going on in the world when it was written. Not to say that there aren't important aspects to apply to our lives. Because if there wasn't, then it would just be a dead book, right? But it's not. It's the inherent word of God. It is the spirit-inspired word of God. And as I was praying and thinking about what to talk about in my podcast this particular week, we had kind of an interesting situation happen where, and you know that I've been having health struggles for about nine years now, so... Not feeling well is not a new experience for me. In fact, I typically have bad days more than good days. But I praise the Lord no matter what I'm, uh, situation I'm going through. Um, the tables kind of turned on us this past week. My husband is a strength trainer and he was working out. And as happens sometimes when you're working out, he happened to pull a muscle on his back. Now he's all right. Um, he is recovering. But it caused him, uh, no pun intended at all, but to be flat on his back. He, uh, walking around like an old man, which of course, in order to keep things lighthearted, my children like to joke with him and, you know, say you look like an old man, you know, hobbling around. And he takes it all pretty well. Um, if you haven't met my husband, he's actually a very kind, gentle, caring man. Um... I, I could probably count how many times I've actually seen him angry on one hand. So, as most of you should know, because if you haven't yourself experienced health problems, 
you probably know someone that you're close to who has. And we all react to those situations differently. And I think it also has to do with how long you've been dealing with the health issues versus if this is temporary or this is something that you're going to have to deal with on a long-term basis and how you choose uh, to walk that out with your creator. And my husband was struggling and because he was struggling, of course, that affects those around you, including myself and my children. He, um, he would get kind of angry, um, and lash out, but instead of choosing to get angry as well and lash right back out at him because of my health issues, I was able to kind of take a step back and be like, well, what's actually going on here? This is not really me tooting my own horn. It's just kind of to encourage you and also maybe give you a, a perspective on how to, how one way to try to positively react to somebody who's hurt, whether it be physically, spiritually, or emotionally. And because he was hurting, he was lashing out. And not like, you know, he wasn't physical or anything. He would just be very angry about things that he wasn't normally upset about or he wouldn't get upset about. And, you know, thankfully I, I was able to talk to him in our room away from our children, which is something that else is that's rather important. And my husband and I talked through it. You know, it wasn't like he was completely in the wrong, we were completely in the right. Um, which is how all relationships are. It's not always one person's fault. However, it was also, look, look, I recognize where you're at. I've been where you are so many times. I have not experienced the pain that you're experiencing right now. And I understand that you are more likely to become angry. Your pain tolerance is has flared, which means that your ability to cope with outside interference has diminished. And, you know, of course he apologized. I apologized, um, you know, for upsetting him. But also, like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't intentional, you know, there was no malicious behavior behind it, you know. And I think that was really good on his part, but also on my part, where I could see from his perspective how frustrating it can be to live with somebody who's got a health problem going on. It doesn't excuse bad behavior on either side, but it was interesting to be on, you know, the other side, how the tables have turned, you know, how, um, it's, it's switched, you know, I'm actually feeling pretty good at the moment and my husband's not, he's not feeling good at all. And so I'm trying to take care of him and trying to take care of the kids, make sure that we're having, uh, meals and, um, making sure everything that we need to, uh, get done around the house is done. And that's really what he's been doing for me for the past couple of weeks because of the whole ear situation. And I pitch him where I can, but, you know, he would make me rest, which isn't a bad thing. It's good to have a helpmate that is willing to put in 100%. And that's kind of just giving you a glimpse of our relationship where um, 
I'm trying to think of the right way to put this where basically, you know, we, we all have struggles and a lot of the times it's me struggling with my health health. This time it was my husband and it's so important for us instead of taking our knee knee jerk reaction and saying, Hey, you know, you're yelling at me, so I'm going to yell back at you because it's not going to solve anything, right? Saying, hey, like, hold on a second. Where is this coming from? How can I love you where you're at? Even if you don't really feel like you want to be loved. Because I know that I've talked about this in my podcast before. You know, you're allowed to feel the way that you do. In fact, you're allowed to even have a pity party for yourself. You're just not allowed to stay there. And the same is true for all of us, whether we're having health issues or not. But sometimes we can get so caught in how we're feeling, we allow our emotions to control us. And a lot of times, you know, my husband has to check me because, let's be honest, I'm way more emotional than my husband is. But on this one occasion, I was actually able to help him and say, hey, you know, I just, I want to love you and I want to be able to help you, but I don't know how to help you. So let me pray for you. Can I pray for you? Um, And that's actually a really good indication of where that person's heart may be. Because if they say, yeah, you can pray for me. And they say, well, do you want me to pray for you? And they're like, no, not really. You know that they're, they're having an internal struggle, especially if they're a believer, a strong believer. You know that they're having an internal struggle with whatever it is that they're dealing with. And I'm so proud of my husband because we all struggle with pride. And I think it might be a little bit more difficult for men in some areas, but it's difficult for women as well in other areas. But I'm proud of him because he was willing to recognize that the way that he was acting wasn't the way that God wanted him to act and to apologize for it and to try and rectify his behavior. Now, like all of us, we're all going to have bad days. You know, I have a lot of days. It, it, but I think what was interesting for me as well for this is I'm like, man, like, I don't, I don't lash out when I'm not feeling well. Like, if I did, I would be living alone and everyone would hate me. But I'm like, you know, I'm sure that there were days, and I know that there have been days, where I've lashed out at my family. And I shouldn't have. Now I typically try to take I typically try to take a quieter uh, approach where I just I'm not feeling well. I try to be more soft spoken. I I try to think hard and, and long before I, I say anything. Um, there's a balance, right? There's a balance because you can also go to that extreme where you don't tell anybody that you're hurting, which drives my husband crazy because I tend to be that person. And I actually am hurting, but I don't want to burden anyone with my issues. And the same is true on on the other spectrum where you're angry, but it's more obvious that you're hurting because you're lashing out, if that makes any sense. The point I want to make here is that we're all human and we all are imperfect humans striving to be more like our Messiah. And... The story that kept coming to mind for me throughout this was uh, the story of the paralyzed man, which you can find in actually three different books of the Bible, in Matthew, Mark, and in Luke. And I'm actually going to read you 
tiny snippets of each one. I think it's always fascinating to to get different perspectives from the people who were there. So the first one, as you know, I like to read from the Tree of Life version. But the first one you can find in Matthew chapter 9, verse 1 through 8. It says, After getting into a boat, Yeshua crossed over and came to his own town. Just then some people brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a cot. And seeing their faith, Yeshua said to the paralyzed man, Take courage, son, your sins are forgiven. Then, of course, the, the Torah scholars were saying among themselves that he's a uh, he's blaspheming. And because Yeshua is who he says he is, knew their thoughts and said, Why are you entertaining evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. But so you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to pardon sins. Then he tells the paralyzed man, get up, take your cot, and go home. And he got up and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid and glorified God, who had given such authority to men. Then you go over to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and it says, When he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was heard that he was at the house. So many were gathered that uh, gathered that there was no longer room for them, even outside the door. He kept proclaiming the word to them. Some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four men. When they couldn't get near Yeshua because of the crowd, they removed the roof where he was. After digging through, they lowered the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. Yeshua, seeing their faith, said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the Torah scholars were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak like this? He blasphemes. Who can pardon sins but God alone? Immediately Yeshua, knowing in his spirit that they were raising questions this way within themselves, said to them, Why are you questioning these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say the, to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and take your mat and walk? But so you may know that the Son of Man has authority to pardon sins on earth. He tells the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. At once the man got up, took his mat, and walked before them all. They were all astonished and glorified God, saying something because my bookmark unfortunately fell out. <laughs> All right, saying we've never seen anything like this. Now, I will say I believe that the first story is not necessarily the same paralyzed man because I don't think that it tracks. It definitely says when he went to his hometown, it doesn't talk anything about his friends getting him. Um, but it could be the same person. I, I don't know. I'm not a scholar. The third one is in Luke chapter 5, 17 to 26. Now on one of those days, Yeshua was teaching. Pharisees and Torah scholars were sitting there who had come from every village of the Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And Adonai's power to heal was in him. And behold, men were carrying a paralyzed man on a stretcher, trying to bring him in and place him before Yeshua. But when they found no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his stretcher through the tiles right in the middle before Yeshua. When he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. Then the Torah scholars and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this fellow speaking blasphemies? Who can pardon sins but God alone? Yeshua, knowing their thoughts, replied to them, why are you raising questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, you, or to say, get up and walk. But so you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to pardon sins. He said to the paralyzed one, I tell you, get up and get, take your cot and go home. Immediately he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. Astonishment took hold of them, and they glorified God, and all were filled with awe, saying, We've seen incredible things today. Now, what kind of 
jumped out at me when I was reading all these uh, these three different accounts, whether the first one's the same as or not, is that it doesn't say anything about the paralyzed man having faith. Isn't that interesting? And maybe I pick up on that because I can relate to that sometimes, where sometimes you just, you're having that pity party for yourself and you're thinking, the Lord's never going to heal me. And the irony here is that it doesn't say that the paralyzed man had faith. It says that his friends did. And because his friends had faith is why he chose to act. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it really shouldn't be that amazing. How often in our own lives do we have people interceding on our behalf? I know for a fact that if my mother and my grandmother had not interceded on my behalf, I'd probably be dead in a ditch somewhere many, 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 many years ago. Because of the path I chose to take as a teenager. And I'm sure there are other people praying for me as well. But those ones I know, I know, I know, I know that they prayed for me on a daily basis. And it was because of their faith that I believe that Yeshua and Adonai chose to intercede on their behalf and reach out to me. Because yes, he could have interceded without them praying at all. You don't necessarily need someone praying for you, but I'm telling you right now, it makes a world of difference knowing that you're being prayed for. Because even when I was off doing my own thing and I had my back turned against God, I knew he was real, didn't want anything to do with him. The fact that I knew that there were two mighty women of God praying for me made a difference. So even when you're feeling in those dark times, like there couldn't possibly be any hope, Believe that there are those around you who are praying on your behalf and have faith that there is hope. Talk to those people. Reach out to those people. Cry out to those people. Ask for help from those people. This world can seem so dark and dim. Which is why we as believers need to shine our light even when we don't think it's making a difference. Especially when we don't think it's making a difference. You know, it's, it is hard sometimes <clears throat> to love people where they're at. Shoot, it's hard to love ourselves sometimes where we're at. But even when, you know, my poor husband is dealing with something he doesn't normally deal with. My husband is usually the epitome of health. Health is not some, somewhere, it's something that he gets attacked uh, with. And it's not something that he ever typically really has to struggle too much about. So it's really hard for him to relate to me. Um, or our son, who was dealing with a lot of health issues growing up. But you know what? I know that there's a reason and uh, a season for everything. There's a time and season for everything. And if my years of being sick helped me to love my husband where he's at when he's not feeling well, then it was worth it. All we have to do is look at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4 to 8. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not brag. It is not puffed up. It does not behave inappropriately. It does not seek its own way. It is not provoked. It keeps no account of wrong. It does not rejoice over injustice, but rejoices in the truth. 
It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Love never fails. And then if you jump over 13, it says, but now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. There's a reason that Yeshua says, love Adonai your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength is the greatest commandment. And the second is like unto the first, love your neighbor as yourself. My last little thought for you today is something I've actually been kind of stewing on the past couple weeks. Um, one of the rabbis we met at the rabbis conference, Rabbi Eric Tokajer, big writer. I actually am I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. You know how much how how great I, I am with the self-help books, but I'm actually thinking about trying to read one of his books, at least one of his books, because he has such really insightful things to say. And he recently wrote a blog. It's a six-minute read. It's called Five Things I Wish Weren't in the Bible. And I'm just going to read to you one of the things. It was really thought-provoking. And it's something I've literally been thinking about over and over and over because of my situation. And hopefully it helps you as well. I would encourage you to look up Rabbi Eric T, as in uh, Thomas, um, dot com. Um, and check him out and see what he has to say about things. But this is where you can find the post. It says, the first thing I wish was not in the Bible is found in Mark 8, where we read about the man that Yeshua healed of blindness. Here's the portion of the text that I personally wish wasn't there. Mark 8, 23. Taking the blind man by the hand, Yeshua brought him outside the village. After spitting on the man's eyes and laying his hands on him, Yeshua asked the man, do you see anything? The man looked up and said, I see men. They look like trees walking about. Here we have Yeshua, God in the flesh, laying hands on a blind man and praying for restored sight. After Yeshua prays for the man, he asks the man directly, do you see anything? The man answers, I see men. They look like trees walking about. Then Yeshua lays his hands on the man again and prays again. It is only after Yeshua's second prayer that the man's eyesight is restored. How I wish that these words were not in the Bible. Wouldn't it be so much easier for us to teach others to believe in the supernatural healing power of God if this man had been healed completely the first time Yeshua prayed for him? However, this verse lets us know that sometimes healing is not always an instantaneous result, but rather a process. Maybe that is why the scripture also says in Mark 16, they will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. This verse doesn't say they will be healed. It says they will get well or recover, a process of connected, miraculous events. I'm not going to lie. When I read that, I, I about near cried. Because so often, there are people like Job's friends in your life where basically they ask you, or they're thinking it, and thinking, well... She must be doing something wrong if she's not healed yet. She must have sinned and done something wrong, and that's why she hasn't gotten healed yet. Or he hasn't gotten healed yet. But the, the reality is, there is a time and place for everything, including healing. And you know what? A lot of times it's not instantaneous. The ones that we talk about and we glorify are the ones that typically are instantaneous versus somebody who's been struggling with cancer for years and then slowly but surely she, she or he is healed from it, right? That's still a miracle and that's still God working in our lives.
So hopefully I provoked you to think about maybe your perspective on healing, maybe on how to love others in your life. Um, We all mess up from time to time. I mess up on a daily basis. Um, And I'm not just saying that. I do. and And I recognize that. And I think that if you're not recognizing that you're a total screw up without Yeshua, you're living in denial. Because even with Yeshua, I'm still a screw up. But I'm blessed. And I'm redeemed by my maker. And I am grafted into the house of Israel. I'm adopted into the house of God. And I'm so grateful for that each and every day. I'm truly living in the messy messianic mama fashion right now. Uh, We actually took the desk out of my bedroom, which is where I normally do my podcast. I gave it to my daughter. We needed a desk. And uh, honestly, I probably should take a picture of this. I have my mic sitting in my laundry basket, which is full, so that it's at the right angle so I could talk to you. I'm just sitting forward in a chair. I have my computer on a stool. I have my notes right here in front of my, on my, my laundry basket as well, as long as my phone. And I have my Bible sitting on my purse. It's, it's a, it's a lovely, beautiful mess that I'm so grateful to have. And no matter if I'm feeling great or I'm not, I'm going to praise him because he is the one that we are living on this earth to glorify. And I love him no matter what my circumstances are. My circumstances may change, but my father in heaven doesn't. And he's walking with me every step of the way. Now, as I do every single week, I'm going to leave you with the ironic benediction, which you can find in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. Yivarekakadonai. Vayish Mareka Yahirodonai Panavaleka Vehuneka Yasadonai Panavaleka Vehasimleka Shalom. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Hashem Yeshua Sashalom, in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace, I pray. Amen. I pray that you have a fantastic week with your family. Enjoy Memorial Day. Remember that it's for those who fought for our freedom, those of us who are living in America, who didn't make it back home. We like to watch a war movie of some kind commemorating that. Usually it's something like the longest day, but it's something so that our kids don't forget the sacrifices that those who came before us gave. I pray you have a fantastic week. Shavua Tov. Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E as in Echo, L as in Lemur, M as in Mike, M as in Mike, M as in Mike, 
the number three at protonmail.com. Also feel free to leave me a one minute voicemail message at anchor.fm forward slash Erica Lacasse. There's a button on my Anchor website that says leave a voicemail. Thank you so much. And remember to leave all messages short and sweet and to the point. And I look forward to hearing from each and every one of you.